Good morning, everyone. Okay, we have three short passages of scripture for this morning. They're all from the Gospel of Mark. So our first reading is from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And next we have Mark chapter 14, verses 27 and 28. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And lastly, Mark chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. Today we are continuing in Mark, although this is only kind of within the series of Receiving the King. The Receiving the King series sets out to go through the entire book of Mark from beginning to end, and we end roughly with uh, the resurrection around Easter, so uh, that, that is all by design, but today there's some time in the schedule for us to talk about big ideas and to think more about how does the whole book of Mark speak to us, because it is a time for big ideas. We're all used to this idea of it's, it's the end of the year, it's New Year's Eve day, we're thinking about what has happened and what is going to happen. We're thinking about the fact that a year has gone by or has almost gone by and another one is waiting. And some of us handle this uh, in, in a variety of We all handle this in a variety of ways. And, and some of us want to handle this in the way where we look at this last year and we think, finally, it's done. I'm, I'm done with this last year. Anybody in the I'm done with this last year camp? All right, so, so you, are, you are of a type, right? And for a variety of reasons, it could be uh, financial things, it could be family things, health things, who knows what. But for whatever reason, 2023 was not your year, and you're ready to be done with this year. And others of you are perpetual optimists. You never met a bad day. You are so excited about the fact that it is almost next year. Who's in that camp? Anybody? We've got a couple of you here. You talk to me. I know who you are. And you're excited. It doesn't really matter, right? It could just be Monday tomorrow. It doesn't have to be a new year, but you're excited because you're always excited. And in talking about the gospel, in talking about the big ideas of the gospel today, I want us to think about what is it that Mark is telling us about Jesus. Because in, in his gospel, in the book of Mark, we get these big ideas about uh, Jesus being being God, being man, coming to earth, dying to save us. And we need to understand what is it, what's the focus? What, why are we hearing all of this? What's the core of all of this? What is it that's making us excited? Is it just that the old thing has gone? Is it just that a new thing is coming? What is it that is supposed to get us interested in this Jesus? So today we're talking about those three passages, but there's really just one message and there's really just one person 
Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. So we want to focus in on him today. I want to see from these three passages in Mark where Jesus tells us the good news. He himself tells us about himself. He tells us what the good news is. And then he shows us how we can have an honest hope in him. I'm going to explain to you what I mean by honest hope. If you've ever thought about what a false hope is, you probably already know what an honest hope is or a true hope is. But we're going to talk about what an honest hope is. And then we're going to talk about faithful love because this is ultimately what Jesus is all about. So as we think about this uh, new year coming, about this old year ending, as we think about this whole story of Mark, about Jesus coming, about him having come and about us waiting for him to come. I want you to focus in on these things today. Pray with me and we'll get started. God, thank you for a new year. Thank you for an old year ending and a new year starting. God, you have provided all that we need and I pray that we would see that everything we need, all of our needs are met in you. Help us to see how we can focus in on you today in the same way, Lord, that you presented yourself as the fulfillment as the completion of God's plan, as the long-expected Savior. Lord, help us to put our hope in you and, and our trust in you and see how your faithful love is all that we need today. Lord, it, it is a big thing to undertake a new day for some of us. For some of us, we struggle just to, to get out of bed, just to come to church here or to see people. Lord, others of us, we are so convinced that we can do all things in our own strength And in both cases, we just need you. Be everything we need today, I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. So let's talk about this first passage. Mark 1, this is literally the beginning of the book of Mark. This is Mark's gospel. He is explaining uh, to all of those people who would come after him, right? Mark is uh, is a follower of Peter. Yes, he's a follower of Jesus, but he is a follower of Peter, and we think that it is very likely that the way that the book of Mark is written is that Peter is dictating and Mark is writing. And so Mark and Peter together give us this account of Jesus. One of the first things that we see Jesus say in the book of Mark is this. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So think about this as a, an entree into who Jesus is. We're talking about the big idea of Mark. What is this big idea we need to take away from the book of Mark? Well, that Jesus is, that the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. He has come. That's super important, just that he's there. So that's the first thing. Jesus exists. He's a person that they hadn't anticipated, but here he is, and now he's going to talk to us. He's going to tell us what it is he wants us to know. And he says this, He says, I am bringing you the kingdom of God. It's at hand. They had all kinds of ideas about what the kingdom of God was supposed to be. They had ideas about the law, about the temple. They had ideas about uh, the Jewish people becoming prominent in the earth. And Brooks has talked about this in the last couple of weeks. Their hope, their anticipation was for a political savior. They wanted somebody to come in, kick out the Romans, make the Jews great. Right? They wanted somebody to make their political nation great. So those are the ideas they had about the kingdom of God. And Jesus, who's born in a manger, Jesus, who looks like a carpenter's son, who looks like a nobody, Jesus is the one who's saying, no, I'm bringing the kingdom. So he's turning all those ideas on their head. They don't, they don't know what to expect anymore after Jesus shows up because he says, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. He says, repent and believe. 
And that's the good news. So before we get any further into what is the big idea of Mark, understand that this is how Jesus wants to start the story. And yes, it's Mark telling Jesus' story, but Mark is just recounting to us what Peter remembers from those very first meetings when they got together as disciples and they're speaking to one another and Jesus is teaching them. And Jesus says, here's the good news. The good news is repent and believe. And why is that good news? Why is it good news that Jesus equates, he puts together the idea of the kingdom of God coming with repentance and belief? It's good news because if we want to bring about the kingdom of God, if we're going to be the ones who do it, we're not going to do it this way. We're going to do what the Jews had in mind. We're going to try and organize some sort of political movement. Or we're going to set up a bunch of rules and laws that people have to follow. In fact, God in the past has used rules and laws in the temple system to bring his people close to him. And the good news, Jesus says, is that all of that is unnecessary with me. Simply repent and believe. So that's the beginning. That is the beginning of the big idea. That's the beginning of the gospel, that we don't need anything else. And for a lot of us, this is still very difficult. Because like I said, many of us, are in that place where we look at all of the trials, all of the struggles, maybe of just this past year, and we think, I couldn't accomplish anything. I can't do anything. And some of you literally struggled to get out of bed this morning to come here, whether it's because of depression or it's because of just discouragement, whatever it is, you feel like you cannot do a thing. And Jesus is saying, that's okay, you don't have to. You need to repent You need to turn around. That's what repent means, right? It means turn around from the thing that you've been doing that you know is wrong, go the other direction, and believe that he is who he says he is and he does what he says he does. That's it. So it is not on you. It is not on you to make this next year amazing. It's not on you to save your soul. It's not on you to accomplish any of the things that you know need to be accomplished. Jesus says repent and believe. If you want to see success in this life, if you want to overcome all of those things that are burdening your soul, repent and believe. And likewise, for those of you who are on the other side, who are completely convinced that you are going to knock it out of the park this year, you're going to meet your sales goals and your family goals and your personal goals. You have got six gym memberships lined up for January and you are ready to go, right? For those of you who are in that boat, This is also good news for you because you will run out of steam and you will miss those goals and your family will not respond the way that you want them to and your body will not respond the way you want it to, right? These these are all going to happen to you no matter how faithful you are, motivated you are. And so this is good news for you today too that you need to repent and believe and Jesus is going to take care of everything else. So understand that this is the news that he comes with. This good news, when we talk about the good news, that's what gospel means, right? That word gospel, it just means good news. So repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in the good news that we don't have to do anything, that salvation comes by grace, through faith, that this is all we have to do is repent and believe. Hold on to that today because that is the best possible way that you can start this year. There are many, many things that we can and should be doing. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Don't hear me say that you shouldn't do good things. 
But know that you don't need to do any one good thing in order to have Christ. All you need to do is repent and believe. And the kingdom of God is at hand. It's ready and waiting for us when we repent and believe. That's what Jesus comes on the scene to say. And so this is the beginning of the broad overview of Mark. Okay, this is the beginning of the big picture. Where does he go from there? Well, I'm going to skip ahead to Mark chapter 14. And admittedly, that's well past the middle of the book. So I'm not trying to explain like the exact literary middle of the book. I'm just saying these are important steps in understanding the overall, the big picture of the book of Mark. So he says, Jesus says, repent and believe. That's the good news. Kingdom of God is at hand. We are approaching the arrival of the kingdom of God. And then he says something else super important. Jesus says, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to die. He tells them three different times in the book of Mark that he's going to die. And we know that they don't understand that he's literally going to die because the, the scripture tells us they don't understand. They don't get it. They don't understand what's going on. We likewise struggle with this part. We don't quite understand why Jesus has to die. Why does there have to be this sacrifice? It continues to be difficult for us. But Jesus tells us that it has to happen. And I believe that he tells us it has to happen because he wants us to see some things about himself. That he knows the future. That he is able to warn us of trouble and that he remains in control no matter what. And this is important because we struggle to have hope. Because we see all kinds of calamity all around us all the time. Sometimes it's in our lives. Sometimes it's the diseases that we carry or that our loved ones carry. And sometimes it's just the injustice that we see daily in the streets, that we experience in our communities. We know that people do not receive what they ought to receive, that they're burdened, that they're attacked, whatever it is. And a false hope, a false hope, is in anything that cannot, that cannot provide for us eternally, no matter what. And so there are many false hopes that we're attracted to when we see the pain in this world because Jesus warns of the trouble and we know there's trouble, right? We see the trouble in the world. We see whether it's in our family and those who don't follow Christ or in our family and those who work actively against us for no apparent reason or in our workplace right? People who are harming themselves. We, we work alongside friends. We have brothers and sisters that we, we consider friends who are harming themselves, possibly with addiction, possibly with abuse, who knows what. And we see the trouble in their lives and we just want them to be better. And so we hope for those things, right? We hope that, uh, that our kids would walk with the Lord. We hope that our kids uh, would do good, that our friends would stop harming themselves, that diseases would stop, would be cured, that people would find justice, that societies would find peace, that wars would stop. And those are all good things. We should desire good things. I'm not saying we shouldn't desire good things. But none of those things in and of themselves are able to guarantee us everlasting hope. All of those things will die. Even the good things, right? Even uh, a marriage that we want to be better will end. Or a child that we long to see following Christ, their life will stop. 
And so we know that we need something that goes beyond even death. And this is what Jesus is offering. And so they, today, that's why I want you to see that this is, this is the pinnacle. This is the, the very middle, right? The very top of where his big idea goes is that this hope is an everlasting hope that he secures for us. And here's how he shows us that he secures it. He knows it's coming. Understand, Jesus says to them, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. He knows exactly what's going to happen in the future. He is telling this, he is sharing this message with his disciples. So yes, those are the people that have chosen to follow him, that have thrown in their lot with him. They're walking through this world with him. But he knows that these people are going to betray him. Peter, very specifically, or very famously, Peter's going to betray Jesus. And Jesus says, I know. I know that's going to happen. In fact, I know that I'm going to be struck and all of you are going to run away. That's what I know. I understand that. I know the future. And you are going to have this trouble. You're going to be scattered. You're going to go and you're going to run and you're going to be afraid. But, but, Jesus says, I remain in control. I hold the future. I know what's going to happen and I'm going to be raised up and I'm going to go before you into Galilee just like I did when I first came, just like we all did together, we're going to do together again. So you do not have to, you do not have to be the kind of person who is always struggling with every, every detail, with every effort to, to put yourself into things. You don't have to be the kind of person who's just convinced that you can succeed in this world, that you can do everything. You do have to be the kind of person who puts your hope in Jesus no matter what because he's the one who knows the future. He's the one who understands the trouble that is coming, and he's the one who can guarantee a future, an everlasting hope. Understand that when Jesus says, after I am raised up, that in those words, in those words, after I am raised up, is our eternal hope. Because he is saying, after I have defeated death, I'm going to go before you to Galilee, and I've got some stuff for you. I've got a plan for you. And his plan includes the Holy Spirit. After Jesus goes before them in Galilee, he, he comes together with them and he says to you, listen, I want you to stay together. I want you to stay together. I'm going to clothe you with power from on high. And I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. If, if you are familiar with uh, Galatians, you know that Jesus gives us a Holy Spirit that provides not just power in the sense of being able to do great works, but power in the sense of daily living to have a true and honest hope that's reflected in things like love and joy and peace and patience, <clears throat> pardon me, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of those things, all of those things come about because Jesus gives us his spirit. And so when we talk about an honest hope it is one that recognizes the trouble, but also recognizes the end of that trouble. And think about all of the other things that you might put hope in. Think about the things that I mentioned earlier, things like your family and your job and your friends, wanting to see justice even in society, good things to put your hope in. None of those things last eternally, but Jesus does. 
And he knows the trouble that comes with trying to bring about those good things. And he also provides the solution that absolutely brings them to pass. Because if we seek the good of our neighbor, if we seek the good of our our society, our community, our family for its own sake, just because we want them to be at peace, it won't last. But if we recognize that we will have trouble in this world and that Jesus has overcome the trouble, we can have all of those things and with them, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all of those things. Because that's what Jesus is trying to bring us. Not just success in this world, not just success as this world calls it success, but eternal hope, a true hope, an honest hope, a false hope. I said earlier, a false hope is one that cannot make good on its promises. You guys know this, right? You know this when you train up your children. You know this when you encourage your friends, when they put false hope in something that is clearly false, right? People who have a gambling addiction, this specific addiction, right, is built on a false hope that the next bet will pay out, that then I'll win, that then I'll be satisfied. People who have an alcohol addiction put a false hope in the fact that this time the pain will go away, this time the stimulus that's bothering me will stop, this time I'll forget, right? There are all kinds of ways in which we put false hopes in the things of this world. And Jesus is saying, no, don't do that. You're going to have trouble Put your hope in me. I know you will have trouble. I know the specific kinds of trouble you're going to have. I'm going to be struck. You're going to be scattered. But do not fear. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to go before you into Galilee. And here's how he addresses the aftermath of that. Because we get to Mark 16, and this is the end of the book, right? This is the end of the story in Mark Mark does not include some of the things that the other Gospels include about how Jesus interacts with the disciples after his resurrection. It's pretty limited. But in Mark, we get this encounter with the angel uh, and Mary in the tomb. And so the angel is speaking to Mary, and the angel says, don't be alarmed, right? Angels are always telling people not to be afraid because angels are scary. You guys know this, right? They're not friendly. They do not look like precious moments figurines. Right? Anybody know what a precious moments figurine is? Yeah, okay. Right? They're scary. They're frightening. And so they're always telling people, don't be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And the angel knows what Jesus said in Mark 14. The angel knows because God has revealed to his angels his plan and they are his messengers. That's what angel means. It means messenger. And they're giving this message now to Mary to give to the disciples. And so understand that Jesus is loving his disciples faithfully. He is loving us faithfully. Even with these words, here's the big idea of Mark. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. All you have to do to enter the kingdom is to repent and believe. That's it. That's all you have to do. But now that you're in the kingdom, now that you've repented, now that you've believed, don't put your hope in the things of this world. Put your hope in me, Jesus says. I have an everlasting hope. I am an honest, true hope. I know you're going to suffer. I know that there will be trouble in this world, but know that I know the future. Know that I understand everything that's going to happen and I'm in control. And know that I love you. 
See how Jesus loves his disciples in this passage. He knows our fear. Don't be alarmed, right? The angels are always saying, don't be alarmed because they're scary. But they're also saying, don't be alarmed because Jesus understands that we are afraid. And so he instructs his messengers, he instructs his messengers to bring this word of peace to the people that they encounter. He knows that they're going to be afraid. And so he says, don't be afraid. This is not a situation in which you should be afraid. I love you. And so he knows our fear. He addresses our fear. He even addresses our doubt. You have to know, you have to believe that Mary, uh, the other Mary that's with her, they go into the tomb and they are afraid that Jesus has been stolen. They think that Jesus's body has been taken away by uh, Romans, by Jews, by conspirators, somebody, right? That's their understanding that Jesus's body has been stolen. So they doubt that he has risen again. They don't understand that. Again, we know that they don't understand that because the scripture tells us they don't understand that. Not until after he's risen do they get it. And so Mary doesn't know what's going on. Why why is his body not here? So the angel says, see the place where they laid him. And it's not just like a place, like a random understanding. No, the other gospels tell us that his grave clothes, the the strips of cloth that they soaked in... um, aloe and myrrh to embalm him, right? Those grave clothes are laid on the tomb in the rock where Jesus was laid. They're, they're laid there. And so the angel says, look at this. Here's the, here's the cloth that Jesus was wrapped in and it's empty. He's not here. So this is how Jesus faithfully loves his disciples. Not only does he address their fear, he also addresses their doubt. And we all have doubts. This is, this is a natural part of repenting and believing is then doubting, right? Repent, believe, doubt. It's, it's just kind of a natural thing. But, but God, what if, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what if this person doesn't like me? And what if that person who I love doesn't love me back? And, and what if the things that you told me that were going to be happening, that trouble is bigger than I can handle? And Jesus knows that they will have those doubts. And so he addresses those. He says, see the place. See the place where they laid him. And then go and tell his disciples that he's going before you to Galilee just as he told you. Remember? Remember that Jesus said, I know I will be struck and you will be scattered and I will go before you into Galilee. Remember he said that before he died? Well, now... He is raised up just like he told you. And he's gone before you to Galilee, just like he told you. And you're going to see him. So go. So this is what it means to live in the faithful love of Jesus. It's to trust that he fulfills his promises. We're not very good at this, you and I. We, we make promises that we don't keep, right? This is a practice that we are in because we're people, because we're human. We're fallen, we're sinful. We know how to do that well. We don't know how to keep our promises well. If we do, it's because we're relying on the Holy Spirit because that's where true love comes from. That's where hope and help come from. So see this big picture today. See this big picture in Mark. Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand in him, in Jesus. We talk a lot about being Christians, coming to church, And we have ideas about what that means. And ultimately what it means is following Jesus, being his disciple. Coming to a body of believers 
and joining with them in walking the way that Jesus walked. And it starts simply by repenting and believing. And then daily it looks like putting your hope in Christ. And daily it looks like accepting faithful love from Christ. Because we can't do this in our own power. We cannot do this without Christ's love. I'm going to read to you uh, from 1 Corinthians. You guys know this passage. Uh, if you want to turn there, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's often uh, called the love passage. And Paul is writing this to the Corinthian church as uh, an admonition. He is scolding them. And it's a beautiful passage, and it's often read at weddings. And it's often read when people are dedicating their lives to love. And so it is about love. It is a good passage about love. But understand, the context originally was, hey, Corinthians, you're not loving each other well. And so Paul writes to them about what love actually is. So when I say to you that you need to live in the faithful love of Jesus, let's remind ourselves what that love looks like. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child... I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And so now faith, hope, and love abide. And abide means live, means dwell with. Faith, hope, and love dwell within us. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest love is God's love. So I ask you today to reflect on this. That Jesus has come and he is waiting. Just like the old year has come and the new year is waiting and we are in a space right now today where it's neither really the old year, it's not quite yet the new year. This is our relationship to Christ right now. He has come and we know he's returning. We know he's waiting to come back but we're, we're stuck in this moment, this middle. So how are we going to live? Jesus gave us a way to live. He said, believe the good news. So I'm going to ask you, will you believe it today? Will you accept Jesus at his word? There are lots of you who have read his words before and you haven't accepted them. Not in your heart, not really, not actually. And there are lots of reasons for that. You have... Uh, you have concerns about the credibility of the testimony. You have concerns about whether this book can be trusted. These, these messages from people in ancient times can be trusted. Some of you are concerned that Jesus may not have existed. You have all kinds of doubts and concerns. I encourage you to take him at his word. To repent of the things that you've done, of your sin, and believe that he is who he says he is. Because he says, I know that you will have trouble. 
but I want you to put your hope in me because not only do I know that you'll have trouble, but I know how to overcome that trouble. I know that I can come into the world, see all of this trouble, die, reconcile you to my Father, and give you everlasting life. So I want you to have an honest hope in me and receive faithful love for me. All of those things that I just read, we're not going to do, right? Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. doesn't boast. It's not arrogant or rude. does not insist on its own way. Who insisted on their own way this week? Anybody? Just the kids, right? Just the little small children did that? All of us did that. Possibly today. That's not love. And Jesus doesn't do that with us. Right? Understand that Jesus could have come to this world and he said, hey, here's the good news. Believe me or else. Believe me or I'm just going to strike you down here in this moment. But he doesn't. He waits for thousands of years so that more and more and more can be gathered. And he waits so that we can share his love with others. So that we can share his love with people who haven't heard it yet. So we can share his love with people who have heard it many times and keep rejecting it. We are not going to be patient and kind. We're not going to choose the same things that Jesus would choose, but he chooses them every time for us, for his glory. And so this is the faithful love that he's offering us. So this is the big idea I'm going to ask you to walk away with today from the book of Mark as you head into the new year. This big idea is simply Jesus. You're all here at church, so you kind of expected to hear something about Jesus today, right? Like that's why you came. But this is what we're going to hear today. Simply him. Repent and believe. Trust and put your hope in him and receive love from him. That's it. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we cannot do even these simple things without you. I don't want to repent. I don't want to turn around. I want to hold on to my sin. I like it better than I like you most days because I think it's going to get me something that you won't. I trust myself more, Lord, than I trust you. And I know it's to my harm. Forgive me. Lord, forgive us when we trust ourselves more than we trust the maker of all good things. Help us to trust and put our honest and faithful hope in you today. Lord, help us to receive your faithful love day in and day out and give it to others. Lord, you've given it to us. Help us to give it away. And God, I pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Have a good year. Go in grace. See you next year.